When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. It's been a long season for the Raiders already, but we do have eight more weeks to go. So, including this weekend as the Raiders close out the season series against the Denver Broncos. So, for this week's Behind Enemy Lines, please welcome Frankie Abbott from Mile High, uh, from, excuse me, from the Mile High Report, SB Nation site that covers all things uh, Denver Broncos. I'm fumbling over my words already this morning. So, I'll tell you what, Frankie, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good, you know, just kind of getting through another week, season's kind of drawn out, uh, hopping into some draft stuff as the season goes along, just because, you know, it's kind of getting to that point where I can't really bear myself to watch these Broncos games with any actual hope without just kind of trying to find something to milk some joy out of, but, you know, getting ready for the game this week and, you know, get, looking forward to it, I guess you can say. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. It's, it is, uh, I'm in the same boat looking forward to the draft, looking more towards uh, the college football games that are coming up over the next month, and uh, especially all the bowl games. So I'm curious, Raiders and Broncos obviously played not too long ago, about a month and a half ago to be exact. Things are obviously gone downhill in Las Vegas. How are things in Denver? I mean, it sounds like it's about the same boat. I feel like these teams are actually pretty similar to one another when you look at the whole big picture. Yeah, man, it's it's really insane looking at the entire AFC West and just seeing how it's gone this year. I mean, it kind of felt like maybe the Chiefs might see some kind of decline and all the other teams would catch up. And it feels like almost like the gap between all of them has never been further. You know, it's yeah. something ridiculous. And as it, like you said, I mean, these teams played not too long ago when you look at like an NFL standpoint. But I mean, really, for Denver, the roster couldn't be any different. Injuries have absolutely yeah. decimated this team. You can't really look at a single unit on the field without I mean outside of like their interior defensive line is just completely brutalized. I mean, they're playing practice squad guys left and right. So, I mean, it's, it's tough out there, man. And it's really kind of crappy because obviously the storyline of the season for Denver is Russell Wilson. And like, it's kind of at that point now where you're just kind of hoping you get to see one or two of those performances to at least give you a glimmer of hope for the Russell Wilson that is kind of trapped in Denver for the next two, three years. But like, it's you're you're not gonna do that with the type the, with the players they're putting out there on offense. Sadly, I mean they're down top running backs, top receivers. They're playing like fourth string offensive tackles. They're <laughs> on their third center this week. Like we're relying on Tom Compton to hopefully be able to make his debut for the Broncos this week, and he's coming off pup and like a massive surgery. Like it's it's brutal out there, man. And then you look at what the co- what's going on with the coaching situations for both teams, and I mean it's yep. it's tough. It's tough. It's it's definitely a punch to the gut. I know. I'm sure. Raiders fans feel it just like Denver's fans where it was like this this was supposed to be kind of you know the year we kind of reclaimed our spot a little bit Raiders have been a lot better than the Broncos as of late but I mean it felt like this was maybe the year where they could really make a playoff run kind of hopefully contend a little bit maybe in the conference at least and just kind of hasn't wrapped up that way see like three weeks ago I probably would have agreed with you that like the Raiders are in a better spot than the Broncos just because like you said like with the Russell Wilson drama and all that stuff and them being tied into him for the next three years but after losing to 24 nothing to the Saints, then losing to the Jags and blowing a 17 point lead to them, and then losing to the Jeff Saturday led Colts, I don't know. The I Jeff think Saturday situation. Broader, yeah, I, Broncos, dude, it's yeah. it's well, and there's and there's the cash situation too. I mean, the cash situation we're hearing out of yep. I, who knows how real that is too. With you know yeah. Dove, but like 
yeah, man, it's 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 tough out there. It's it's tough in Denver, and it's it's. I don't know which team I would rather have, honestly, at this point. I think <laughs> the draft capital kind of determines it a little bit, honestly, because at least I can have some fun making content for that, you know? Exactly, exactly. So I did want to uh, follow up on one thing you said, uh, talking about Russell Wilson, where you're kind of looking for that that one or two games, that glimmer of hope. So I'm assuming that hasn't happened quite yet, and, and that's something that Broncos country is still looking for. Man, like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's exactly like you said. I mean, this Russell Wilson, I mean – the the national headlines might be beating up on him a little bit hard, but it's com- like from a, from an on the field standpoint, like this is not the guy you expect at all. Like just from the most simple of things, man, like he's missing very simple reads. He's not doing things you want to see in the offense. He's not playing in the flow of the offense. And I mean, you know, a lot of people like to bash on head coach Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, mystery man, Justin Outen, who's our offensive coordinator that no one really knows what he does. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like, don't get me wrong. They deserve plenty of blame. The team, as a whole doesn't come out prepared. They're the leading lead or the leading penalized unit in the league, which is just such a huge step down from where they were the Vic Fangio, where they were always one of the least penalized units. Like it's not as much on Hackett as I think a lot of people make it out to seem when I, I mean, it's very easy to go look at the tape and see what Russell Wilson isn't doing well. And I mean, at this point in the season, like I said, with how little pieces are out there, we're just seeing a broken Russ. I mean, this dude plays with such little confidence, man. And I mean, that's such like a, weird thing to say about a guy in Russell Wilson's shoes who's you know the the over decade veteran who's you know probably gonna end his career in a gold jacket one way or the other like it's weird seeing a guy that like you expect to be able to make the simple throws to be able to make the checks against blitzes to be able to you know just do the easy things you know make the make the make life easier on the entire offense that's why you go get a guy of that caliber but it's almost to the point where he's making it harder and you know, again, getting back to the Hackett thing, we're getting the same reports that we've heard out of Seattle for years where it's everybody's blaming the play caller and wanting, you know, to know why they're not doing things that Russell's comfortable with. But it's like, guys, Russell Wilson left Seattle for a reason. Like, yeah, the, the situation he had in Seattle was as comfortable of an offense as Russell Wilson is ever going to have. They made sure of that. So, like, all the people are now like, well, they got to do what's comfortable for him. It's like, that's not why he came here. Like, you look at Nathaniel Hackett, like he's Paul Hackett's son. He's literally like, that that's a guy you hire because you want to be running like West coast stuff. That's not a guy you're looking to just, you know, whatever you want to do. Like, right. It's, it's a lot of it does fall on the shoulders of Russ. And I don't, I hope that when the off season comes and Nathaniel Hackett is likely eventually fired that that blame isn't just completely thrown to whoever they scapegoat out because there's plenty to lay on Russ this year, like plenty. And like you talk about him not playing confidently, and I feel like that almost makes it more frustrating because he acts so kind of arrogant flat out, mm-hmm. just like off the field and all that stuff. And like you hear the reports about him, like like he does like his teammates he, you got to go through his like manager or his agent, whatever, to get in contact with them. So I was curious for your thoughts on that on like that, uh all that reports. And like, has there been anything like that in Denver where maybe he's not getting along and maybe he's not on the same page as some of his receivers or other teammates? Um I mean, it's tough. There was the one KJ Hamler miss uh, where, you know, there was the yeah. like helmet smashing mm-hmm. on the ground situation. But like that one, I kind of took as more just like in the moment reaction. But I mean, I think you're completely right where like it just kind of rubs guys the wrong way. And I think more so than the things Russ does, the things that Russ does, I think it really just relates to like, man, like the offense as a whole, like has been this way for a while. And, you know, these things were supposed to be changing that I think the frustration really just comes from that, that like, yeah. they were kind of like how the fan base was sold. Like this was supposed to be the savior season, you know, like these were the things For that sure. weren't supposed to be continuing to happen <laughs> once Russ got here that, you know, and like you're saying the way he kind of manages himself at the podium, you know, I don't necessarily know how it is behind closed doors, but you do get that sense that like, 
he he's one of those guys that just kind of like he only has one tune to go with it and we've only ever seen really a successful rust that now that we're seeing so much success i saw someone talking about how like denver's obviously not the team that drafted russell wilson we don't have all the the stocked up good memories with him that right. like this fan base is pretty brutal like i'm not going to take away like denver broncos fans can be very brutal towards their players it's it's not really great but like especially towards the quarterback position after peyton manning just you know came here and was the messiah for a few seasons like it's well, tough and like sorry, what so, i was gonna say it's an organization that's done a ton of winning like they're not used to having a playoff drought no, like this like, like not at all it's, the expectations have been set and then like you said when you bring somebody in like him in the offseason like there's a certain expectation i mean raider fans have it the same way and the last 20 years have been crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? no it, yeah and i mean it's it's exactly that where it's just kind of like i think so many people were expecting it to be an immediate change and now russ is kind of keeping up that positive attitude even through the negativity but we don't have that like Oh, but you remember when Russ did all this for us? Like yeah. that's that's yeah. not there. That we, they don't have the good faith built up. We haven't. He hasn't been this guy that has been groomed. He was this guy that was supposed to come in and change everything. And up until this point, he just hasn't. Gotcha. Well, speaking of Russ's teammates and weapons, I do want to move on and talk a little bit about Jerry Judy because I know he got injured last week. So I'm curious yeah. if you guys have any updates or what his status is for the game. So he's still day to day. They said it was, they apparently, they dodged a bullet. They said he just like pulled a muscle that was behind something else. And they said to get that worked out after the game. So he's day to day. KJ Hamler is probably going to be missing a few weeks, which that one really sucks. Uh, So he's not going to be playing the game. I think it was a grade one hamstring injury for him. Uh, Kendall Hinton, who's kind of been like their, I don't know, their other receiver who like, right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, He's kind of been the guy that when the other guys go down and Cortland's not really having a game, he's someone they can rely on to make a big catch or two. He might miss the game. He's day to day. Like there's a lot of coin tosses this week that will end up kind of deciding. I think whether we see an offense that can maybe be competent or like there's just really no chance. Like uh, their backup center, Graham Glasgow, he's kind of day to day. They're not sure if he's going to play. He's got a shoulder injury and their third string. No offense to him just because he was like a sixth round pick (laughs) this year. Luke Wattenberg, not very good. He got, absolutely obliterated last week versus Tennessee like he's a guy I don't want to see blocking for Russ uh they're on their fourth string tackle uh, on the right side and Quinn Bailey who's been a practice squad guy for the past like four years for them so like not too like to get to see him again like again up and against him but Tom Compton was kind of brought here to hopefully be a rotational piece so hopefully gets out there because Another thing, too, is just, I mean, we're seeing kind of a lot of the free agent signings. Like, I, I love dumping praise on George Payton, but he has taken a lot of risks in a lot of the free agents he signed, whether you look at Randy Gregory, Tom Compton, Kwan Williams. You know, these are players I really like who are very talented on the field. I don't know about Compton so much. He's, you know, he's been okay throughout his career, but these are guys that are talented on the field but had notable injury histories, and it's it's all come up it's all come up bad for Denver this year. I mean, Kwan's expected to miss this game. You got to, you know, Compton hasn't played yet this season. Randy Gregory's been out since like week two or three, you know, like it's, it's kind of devastating a little bit when you look at like, man, like there's a lot of money not being put on the field. I think it's like $55 million of their cap is like on IR right now. It's insane. Yeah. I, yeah, I was going to ask you, cause I remember looking at and doing some prep for this about the, about the injuries up front. So I'm glad you uh, dove into that. But before I, we go into that a little bit further, I did want to ask you about Cortland Sutton because I noticed he's kind of had a little bit of a regression before this last week statistically. I'm curious, is that kind of the same thing with him and Russ just not being on the same page or what's kind of gone, gone beyond that? Like that. Lull? It's, a, it's a lot with Cortland. I mean, so pre ACL tear Cortland Sutton in 2019, like really looked like one of the ascending talents at wide receiver in the NFL. Like this was a guy who was genuinely mossing people on a week to week basis. Very good at the catch point underrated separator. Like 
Cortland Sutton was looking like he was going to be a dude, and that's not me trying to say he can't be anymore. But once that ACL tear hit him, man, I mean, last year he wasn't the same guy because, you know, you kind of usually need like 18 months to kind of fully be back. This year he started out looking like he's back, but man, like the thing that I think is most disappointing about Cortland this season is the the Russell Wilson, like, you know, bringing him in here and what Russell Wilson does and his skill set and the things we know Russ for matched up with Cortland Sutton better than any receiver on this team. You know, it's easy to look at a guy like, uh, Jerry Judy being able to create separation and, you know, get space. And that'll be nice for, uh, for, uh, Wilson, but, you know, having a good 50, 50 guy, like, like we've seen out of court for the first few years of his career, like that was going to be, you know, one of the things that I thought we could rely on, you know, it's kind of similar to how he was using DK Mech. I thought that was going to be a huge red zone thing. And I mean, through the first through games or for the first, uh, for first few games, Corlin was doing a great job of drawing some DPIs, but we just haven't seen him making those huge contested catches. He had a couple of highlight reel catches last week, which was fun to see, but like that was mixed in with a couple drops. As you said, it was like he went five straight weeks without a 50 yard game, which like was very weird because through the first five weeks, he was like number one in air yards like that. It's a mixture of things, but it's really just the entire offense underperforming as a whole. And, you know, I, I don't know how much of that to put on each of each piece of it, you know, like. Again, I don't think Cortland has necessarily lived up to his expectations this year, but like when you look at his catchable pass rate, it's awful. And I mean, it's been that way since the beginning of his career. And that's kind of how it is for him and Jerry Judy, where like Russ is not throwing these dude accurate balls. And like you look at their uh, their open score, like they're they're getting open. These dudes are creating separation wherever it is on the field. They're just usually not getting hit when they need to be getting hit or when they're getting thrown the ball. It's like a it's a prayer from Russ. He has like one of the worst, like throwing into, you know, multiple coverage uh, percentages this season. And like a big part of that is the only time he really seems to throw the ball to Cortland is when it's like either a wide open backside dig, or just like, let me see if I can throw it in between three and Cortland can make a play, which he just might not be that guy anymore, you know, which is really sad for me to say, because I love Cortland. I also wanted to ask you about rookie tight end, Greg Dolchitz, since he's kind of burst onto the scene over the last month. Can you mm-hmm. just tell us what he's kind of brought to the, the Broncos offense? Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting. Dulcich was a guy I liked coming out, but I wasn't sure how well he would kind of translate. I thought he would definitely be a presence in the red zone just because uh, at UCLA, he just showed such good, like, shiftiness, a good feel for space. He's like, I wouldn't call him, like, a field stretcher. He, he has good athleticism, but, like, he's just way more, like, there's a lot of nuance in his movements. There's a lot of, like, like I said, he's shifty, he's smooth in his stuff. He can run, like, a lot of those little wiggle moves that you like to see out of your tight ends over the middle. And, uh, I think he's just offered like a level of like not again, not to beat up on anybody, just a level of competency to the tight end room. You see, like as crazy as it is, like he's a guy that's probably been here one of the shortest out of everyone on the offensive staff. And I mean, you just see such confusion and such a level of like, am I doing there's the second guessing on offense? You know, there's the guys, you know, maybe they're running the right route, but maybe they're overrunning it by a step. Maybe Russ is just missing dudes like. Greg has really just brought a level of competency and calmness to this offense that like is genuinely shocking out of a rookie tight end. I mean, like his like trend right now of where he's, he could possibly end up. Like if he keeps on this pace for receiving yards, like he'll be one of the better rookie tight ends of all time, which is kind of crazy to say, especially since he missed the first, however many weeks of the season. And uh, yeah, he's just been like a positive impact. I'm kind of curious to see how they continue to develop that utilization because so far, it's been a little bit like on a lot of the same things. He works in a 
he works in combination with a lot of players well. Like him and KJ Hamler were creating a lot of space because KJ is really good at grabbing a couple guys over with his deep speed. And then, you know, Dulcich would kind of find some spots over the bottom and be able to create after that because he's got great hands. That's one thing I'll say on him. He hand catches everything, brings it in soft. He makes everything look easy, which is such an, like, again, one of the biggest things, problems with this offense, they do not make anything easy on themselves. He's one of the few guys that like, hey, man, I'm going to sit down between two defenders Big, big window right here. Get it to me. I'll sit down, get a first down for us, and hopefully we can let the defense catch their breath a little bit. But uh, that's kind of what I've seen out of him. He's developing a little bit as a blocker too, which is kind of nice to see, but exciting stuff from him. So moving on to running backs, Javante Williams unfortunately suffered a season-ending injury the last two times these teams played. So who stepped in for Williams? And I've got to ask, is Melvin Gordon done in Denver? Yeah, man, Melvin Gordon, like, it's, it's too bad because, like, going in – to the year I was a little bit I don't know Melvin Gordon is only here because he played Badger football with Russell Wilson <laughs> which kind of sucks like and I'm not trying to bash him that's just literally why it was George Payton waited until the very last second to bring him back and then just kind of was like all right you're one of Russ's buddies we could use another body in the room let's throw you a little contract which I'm not the biggest fan of like I would have rather them just try to find a day three option or something chuck the money elsewhere like somewhere along the offensive line where they need talent <laughs> um I don't know, man. As far as who stepped in, really nobody. It's kind of crazy to say, like, Latavius Murray, who got brought in midseason, has been literally the best runner that Denver's had maybe all year. Like, Javante was fine, but, like, Javante still has a little bit of his vision issues where, like, Latavius – the thing about Latavius, which is nice, is the coaching staff clearly understands that they don't need to do too much with him. It's very much just, oh, let's just send this guy downhill. Let's, you know, just run some duo, run some inside, and – he'll get a few yards for us. That's pretty nice. Whereas a lot of the other guys, it seems like they just really make it hard for themselves. Like they brought in Chase Edmonds as part of the Bradley Chubb deal. And I was kind (laughs) of excited for them to have a guy that coming into the year, they preached how much they wanted to run outside zone and do these outside zone philosophies jokes on them. They're one of the lower like outside zone rate teams in the (laughs) league, which is just kind of annoying because that was the reason Denver fans were told they got rid of Mike Munchak, which is hilarious. Um, And Chase Edmonds is kind of one of the few guys that I thought like, as far as what this offense needed made sense. They haven't had a lot of explosive plays. They try to do a lot of explosive things with their running back. They, they just don't really have the bodies to do or the blocking to do. And uh, this past week, I think they gave him like, like single digit snaps, even though they had like a bye week to fully prepare for it. So it's like Latavius Murray has been the best back. They still give Melvin Gordon the ball a lot for no reason. Uh, he like, like <laughs> that might be a little bit intense. Like Melvin can still pass block a little bit. He's still a decent receiving option, but like, Dude, the fumbling issues, he almost had another fumble last week. He has key drops. Like, I'm not trying to bash on Melvin Tuar, but, like, yeah, he has just been, like, a net negative on the team this year. He's one of the worst EPA backs in the league this year. Like, and a lot of that is the offensive line, like I'm talking about. But, like, dude, it it's, it's consistently gotten worse. And, I mean, everyone kind of knows how aging running backs go. Like, it's it's been this downward trend for him the past couple of years that, no, Melvin Gordon has sadly not stepped in very well for Javante, but uh, Latavius Murray's done a pretty decent job. And uh, yeah, then it's hopefully Chase Edmond gets a little bit of work and he'll probably still see a lot of Melvin. Gotcha. Well, hey, I was always a big fan of Tay Train when he was out in uh, out in Oakland playing for the Raiders. So I'm glad to hear he's still doing well in his mm-hmm. career on a high note. So Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to circle back for a second about the offensive line. I know you touched on a little bit of the injuries already, so I don't think we need to rehash those. But I guess just my question is, so who is going to be playing for the for the Broncos up front? Um, so it's going to be Quinn and Dalton at guard. And then like, honestly, it's a question. Calvin Anderson has been like their swing tackle for the past four or five years. Uh, and kind of the funny thing about him is Calvin Anderson has always been better at left tackle than right tackle, mm-hmm. but Denver has had Garrett Bowles. So he's basically been like the maybe answer at right tackle, but everyone knows like, dude, why, why are we doing to this guy? <laughs> like he doesn't have the mobility on the right side to do it. Like, let's just keep him where he's comfortable. He can be a decent backup or maybe we just let him go. So he's now playing left tackle, which is pretty cool. And his game against Jacksonville was really good. I was actually really impressed. He had a very impressive performance against Josh Allen. And then last week, he kind of fell off a map. So I don't know where he's really at. Uh, They've thought about Cam Fleming was the starting left before he went down. But now he might not be playing. Uh, Like I said, it's Quinn Bailey right now, who Quinn Bailey, like, just kind of isn't very good. Like, no offense to him. He's just not that great. And then at center, it's like it's. I think it'll end up being Graham Glasgow. It seems like they're confident he'll be healthy enough, but I mean, it's Graham Glasgow on a hurt shoulder who probably, you know, catches a bad knock and then it ends up being Luke Wattenberg right away. So it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of question marks along the offensive line. So before I move on to specific defensive players, I'm just speaking more generally in week four, the Raiders kind of exposed the Broncos run defense. I'm curious if they made any adjustments or if things have gotten better in that department since then. Dude, it, I don't know. Like I, they haven't really done anything. It's just like Josh Jacobs just turns into like the the reincarnation of whatever insert great running back when he plays against Denver. It's pretty cool to see like, well, not cool to see for me, but it's it's a little bit fun to watch, but uh, yeah, I, nothing really. I mean, I think the linebackers got healthy. If I'm not mistaken, Josie was missing for that game. So that'll definitely help out. But like, dude, like that was just a weird, a weird game. Cause I mean, like, as you've said, like, we just really haven't seen that performance out of Denver. I mean, last week they shut down Derrick Henry to like 53 yards. So it's kind of like, wow. I don't know really what adjustments that would have been made in the past few weeks. I think they maybe have gotten a little bit healthier in the linebacker core. Justin Simmons might miss, which would kind of hurt. And K1 Williams, those are two kind of like, uh, like that's our nickel and our safety that are just obviously a little bit better at tackling. And the, some of the guys behind them aren't too great at that. So I don't know if that could create some issues, but. Last week, they showed a real willingness to get, like, they were playing a 5-3 front last week, like, straight up with three inside linebackers in the game. Like, it's kind of awesome to see, but it was kind of like, man, I don't know how many teams you can do this against, so I don't know if they'll try to deploy that a little bit. This I was going to say, a 5-3, that's bringing me back to my Pop Warner days back there. It was, you know what I mean? it was pretty ridiculous to watch, but, I mean, it was effective. And I mean, that's one thing I will say is, like, Ejiro Ebro is just making gold out of gold out of dog poop right now on this defense. Well, not dog poop. There's plenty of talent on this defense, but, uh, like, he's – it seems like you can, you just, they keep removing pieces from it, whether it be from injury or the Bradley Chubb trade. And I keep expecting there to be this, you know, massive implosion on the defense and hasn't come. Maybe it'll come this week though. Cause I mean, like, again, they just keep losing bodies. 
Yeah, we brought up the, the the Bradley Chubb trade, which I obviously wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Gregory's also been on IR. I know he's eligible to return, so I'm not sure if he's coming back this week. But I'm curious who has kind of stepped in and, and, and uh, replaced those two so far. And is Gregory? Do you know if Gregory's going to be getting, coming back? So Gregory's week to week, sadly. So who knows? Like gotcha. it kind of just keeps coming out that it's getting pushed back a little bit. Sounds kind of like the Cowboys situation with Randy. And uh, you know, I mm-hmm. I love Randy. Like I was one of the people in Denver that when Randy got signed, I was very much like, guys, like, this is a good thing. Like I like Randy Gregory is such an awesome talent. One of my favorite players to study just because of like the ways he can beat you as a pass rusher. He's one of the more like just diverse guys in the league from that standpoint. Like he can really beat you in every way. Um, And yeah, man. And then with the departure of Bradley, like you said, like they lost a lot of the, a lot of the beef. Uh, Some of the guys that have been stepping in Baron Browning's obviously been great this year, but he's been hurt. He's on a hip flexor. So he's day to day this week. I would love to see Baron get back out there just because Baron Browning is stupid good. Like he is one of the, like the twitchier players I think I've ever had the pleasure of watching. Like this dude just flies across the line of scrimmage scrimmage and does things that you just, you don't expect. And it's so insane. He was a, he was an inside linebacker for anyone who doesn't know for the first, you know, however long in the league and for his final couple of years at OSU, he would rotate to edge. He's literally like a Micah Parsons light where like, he just has such an innate ability to just, get to the quarterback and like such freak athleticism that he, 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 they, he transitioned, he transitioned to edge and it's working. Um, Outside of him, it's been guys like Jonathan Cooper that have been pretty good. It was a sixth or seventh round pick for them last year. Decent run defender. He'll, he might get a pressure to a game, uh, but he hasn't really been nothing like too special. Um, You got Nick Benito, the rookie this year, who's been actually fairly impressive for me. I wasn't the biggest Nick Benito fan coming out. Not like, to knock him at all, the last year's edge class was just really fun. I thought there were a lot of guys that had a bit more of a refined game than he did, and uh, he's shown to be able to come onto the scene and produce. He's kind of been – he's a li- little bit more of a smaller, wiry guy. So I was, I've was i been impressed with his play in the run game, honestly. He's been really elusive and just, like, slippery to get in between blocks that, like, that's that size hasn't really impacted him too much negatively. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes against the Raiders, obviously, this week. But – uh. I wouldn't say anyone's really so far stepped up to the point where they're contributing quite to their level, but the creativity standpoint from uh, Ijiro Ivro has definitely stepped up. Like that was kind of the, I mean, so Ijiro Ivro just does such an incredible job of simulated pressures and sending, you know, pressure from different spots that there, the amount of one-on-ones you see for the star players in Denver, which at the beginning of the season on the defensive line was like five dudes, like, they get one-on-ones more than any star rusher in the league really should. And I mean, now we're just seeing that basically purely amount to Draymond Jones getting to be that guy, at least right now, where it's like they're sending so much heat at one side of it just to try to occupy like three or four dudes. And then you just get a one-on-one for Draymond Jones that I'd say Draymond Jones has honestly stepped in the best because he's just, he's a guy they need to pay to keep around too, because he's a free agent coming this off season. And I mean, he's probably the only guy left right now that like they need to really try to keep around because they they need some like leadership and heart in that, not like leadership and heart, but you know, they need some guys that are willing to stick around and show like, Hey, we can, we can get through this kind of down arrow right now. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And it's funny. I felt like, you know, I've noticed the emergence of Brandon Browning and especially uh, uh, Nick Benito and all those guys that you were just naming and obviously Randy Gregory coming back. And it almost felt like at the time, like it just was a no brainer to almost get rid of Brandon Chubb. Cause it doesn't feel like they're really missing anything. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Or have they been missing Chubb at all since he's been gone? Um, I wouldn't say missing Chubb. It's kind of hard to tell right now just because they only had the one right. game with the bye week. Right. But uh, I don't know. I was of the mindset, like, 
it's tough. And I think the Randy Gregory, like how quickly he can get back and how like Randy Gregory is going to be effective when back. How quickly can he get back? Is he going to be, I'm of the mindset right now. If they're saying he's week to week, it's week 11, you know, like Denver's three and seven. We're not. What's the point? Right. Like they have enough young talent that like, I'm down to see more Nick Benito this year. I'm down to see more Jonathan Cooper. I'd way rather have a guy like Randy Gregory, who again, not to bash him, kind of seems to pick up these knocks left and right. Cause again, he plays at just such a ferocity that like, I, I understand after watching him <laughs> why he gets winded, like how he picks up these little knocks. Like this dude just goes all out on every single rep that like, I'm kind of more of the mindset, like, man, let this guy approach his off season hard, you know, like don't, don't bring this guy back in a week, 15, 16, 17, you know, game and have him just like hurt himself a little bit. And now he's kind of delayed in his off season training. Like, this team needs to kind of look at it of a mindset like we're in we're in the rust window now you know we're in the end game if you will like you got to kind of plan out how are we going to approach these next two to three years and I guess that was one thing that kind of made me sad about the Bradley Chubb trade is it almost felt like the the moves made prior leading up to that like you kind of mentioned like Baron Browning getting moved drafting Nick Benito bringing in uh Randy Gregory like the writing was on the wall that Bradley Chubb probably wasn't going to remain in Denver too long but it is still kind of one of those things where when you're looking at a team that should be in a window to try to win, you know, not going to say that maybe that should be their mindset, but if you go to get Russell Wilson, that's what you'd like to think the mindset is getting rid of one of the premier pass rushers in the league in, you know, and hoping that the rookies you're going to be drafting can kind of, you know, replace that production. Hopefully the money you spend in free agency can kind of replicate that. Like that's a big risk, you know, like we're seeing like, you need just talented guys to make it and win in the playoffs. Like that's as easy as it is to put it. And, you know, they can say at the end of the day, you know, they had enough talent to that. It wasn't that big of a deal right now. They don't have enough talent. And, you know, you, you hope next year that changes around, but like hope, hopefully Randy Ritter can be that guy. Hopefully this first round pick they got can really come in and make an impact right away because, you know, it, the relying on a rookie to make an immediate impact, especially if you're a team that's like, we need to win in the playoffs or at least get to the playoffs, relying on your first round rookie to be like one of those guys. And especially when it's like, this is going to end up being a 20th pick, you know, like this isn't going to be one of those like blue chip players. It's just really hard to be super confident that that guy can come in and be a huge difference maker right away. I'm not saying he can't be a good player, but like, I mean, look, look at all the teams this year that kind of did something similar, like the Packers and, you know, even like the Cowboys relying on some younger receivers, you know, like there's a lot of teams that like, if only those teams kind of just kind of stuck to their guns and kept like one of their pieces, they probably would be in a lot better spot than they are right now. You know, for sure. For sure. You brought up a uh, Josie jewel a little while back. So I'm curious mm-hmm. what kind of impact do you think he's going to have on this game? Like, is he going to be that guy that uh, is able to bring down Josh Jacobs? Cause that was definitely something the, uh, the Broncos struggled with a little bit last time. Yeah. Um, I think so. And I hope so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Josie's great. Josie's an incredible downhill linebacker. One of my favorite players to watch on the defense because he, Again, he's just one of those guys that knows his job, does it well, doesn't make it hard on himself. And like Ijiro Ibro puts his guys in positions to perform and Josie does that where um, I think he can definitely be an impact. But again, it's just a question of like what Josh Jacobs do we see this week, man? Because usually Josh Jacobs against Denver is just such a different animal. So I, I don't know. I think he'll play a massive role in it. But I also question like, you know, how much how much of a role or how much of a benefit can you really bring when there's just so much else on the defense kind of bringing it down, you know? For sure. I know for me, at least one uh, matchup that I'm kind of looking forward to for round two is going to be Patrick Sertan versus Devontae Adams. Cause I actually thought Sertan played pretty well, all things considered against Devontae last time. I'm curious, 
What was your assessment of that from matchup last time? And then uh, what do you, how do you think this one's going to play out on Sunday? Man, fireworks. Like it's, it's kind of everything you want in the NFL. Like it almost feels like, you know, it's not this, but it's almost like the Brady Manning of the receiver CB world right now. It feels like, mm-hmm. like the, the numbers Patrick Sertan is giving up this year outside of the game against Devonte Adams have just been absolutely ridiculous. He's such a fun, like, Coming out, Sertan was a fun prospect, and he has really just gotten to show in the NFL that, like, he is that dude. I I genuinely believe he's the best corner in the NFL just because, like, you just don't get guys that are that big with that wingspan, that move that well. Like, it <laughs> cannot be described, guys. Like, he moves like he's, like, a five foot nine, just shifty as hell back. He's like Darren Sproles at corner, but he's six foot two. Like, it's incredible. I thought he did a good, as good of a job as you can really hope for against Adams, you know, like, I guess that's kind of the thing is both of those guys, like right. they're going to get theirs. Like D- Patrick Sertan's not going to be out of position very often. Devonte Adams is probably going to have a rep or two where he just shows like he's the best receiver in the league. And that's, you know, that's just kind of how it is. I'm excited to watch it as well. I hope, you know, he doesn't score too many touchdowns, but I mean, it's, it's going to be a battle all day. And one thing that I think is exciting is at least like these past, like however many weeks teams just aren't pat- targeting Patrick Sertan, which is really cool. But at the same time, like, definitely limits i don't know i don't want to say limits because obviously like it's an immeasurable value to have that half of the field is somewhat erased but like when you look at the standpoint of like man improved quarterback play brings this to a team whereas teams are just almost accepting like all right well we just don't throw towards patrick sertan's side their offense literally can't score even with half the field in the passing game we can probably score like 17 points so like that's kind of the recipe to beat Denver as sad as it is. So I'm at least excited that Derek Carr is going to throw the ball to its Patrick Sertan this week. I assume. Cause I mean, yeah. like who's not going to throw the ball to Devonte Adams a few times a game. So, I mean, that'll get to be fun. At least I hope we get to see some good aerial duels. For sure. For sure. And the Raiders, I mean, Hunter Renfro is on IR. So is Darren Waller. So I think uh, Devonte Adams is going to get a few targets at least on Sunday. Regardless oh, 100%. On him, so it should be a fun one. All right, last question here, and we'll make this a little collaborative answer between the two of us. Um, since we're both representing two teams that could have first-year head coaches who might end up being one-and-dones, so my question is, who do you think gets fired first, Nathaniel Hackett or Josh McDaniels, or do both of them get fired? It's kind or do of both insane. of them get one at least more at least one more season, excuse me? I don't think Hackett gets another season at this point. Like, a big thing is just Denver getting new ownership, like – I can't imagine being a person that spent however many billion dollars on a team and then seeing like, like, you know, how, however, you know, good national media headlines are right. pretty embarrassing getting the weekly headlines of the things Nathaniel Hackett's are doing wrong and the clown memes and all these things. Same for Russell Wilson, but I think they're obviously much more financially tied to Russell Wilson. So I think Nathaniel Hackett will get fired, but I mean, as for who gets first, I mean, that could be deciding on this game, you know, like, could. It's one of those things where it's like, it feels like every week I'm waking up the following day after like an ugly loss where I'm like, is this the week where Nathaniel Hackett kind of kicks the bucket? <laughs> the only thing is like, and this is kind of one of the big knocks about Hackett is this staff outside of the defense is just brutal, man. Like it's, it is not a good, it's not a good coaching staff. And this was an issue coming in. Like, I'm not trying to bash these guys too hard, but the biggest problem is we do not have anyone on the offensive staff who has done the job they are currently doing before they have not, they don't have that. Mm -hmm. Like their offensive coordinator. It's the first time OC there, you know, Nathaniel Hackett is a head coach. He's damn near two chairs jumped because he wasn't really an OC last year, you know, like uh, outside of our receiver coach, Zach Azani, who's been pretty good, but like they just don't have the bodies of guys that have been productive, good coaches at these spots that they can kind of look to rely on where like, when you look at the, like 
a lot of people like to big bash Vic Fangio. One thing I loved about Vic Fangio is some of the coaching staffs he put together, they look like the Avengers, man. Like you look at it, like he had dudes that were like 200 years of football experience were in that building, you know, like if it was ever a question like, man, like we need to look to someone for advice on how to do this. They had guys in the building do that where I don't think you can fire Hackett in season because there's just no one to go to. I mean, it literally would be like Dom Capers and like, (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm not trying to watch Dom Capers coach the football team. Like, everyone knows the big issue with this team is the offense right now. And honestly, as scary as it is, one of the biggest issues is Russell Wilson. Dom Capers isn't fixing that. You know, the Ejero Evro, who I'm, you know, gassing up as this incredible defense coordinator, he's not fixing that by becoming head coach. Like, these solutions don't really exist. So, like, on that mind point, I'd think that it'd be McDaniels first. But, I mean, who knows, man? I mean, like, that's the news that's been coming out. Who knows what the money situation in Vegas yeah, I was gonna say if uh, if if it uh if it doesn't work out, you could always pull a page out of the Colts playbook and uh, and just hire like Peyton Manning as as their interim head coach I mean, for us uh, the year. Like, and it's crazy to think like at this point, like that's almost what I I I'd, I'd love it. At least maybe the locker room would feel like it has something to play for because like, I mean that's the thing that's got to be so like in these guys' minds in the locker room, right? Like you know the you'll get infinite amount of reports from the media being like, oh, you know things are fine, things are fine, things are fine. There's no chance, man. Like with yeah. with the with you know team captains are getting traded at the deadline in a year where you were supposed to be a quote unquote you know contender. Like yeah. there's no chance that at least on the defensive side of the ball that they're happy with what's going on. And I think a big part of that has to be pointing the finger at Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coaching staff, and sadly Russell Wilson. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome, Frankie. This has been a blast, man. Real quick, Raider Nation, we got to keep tabs on the enemy. Got to keep make sure the Broncos are up to. So where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, of course. Appreciate you, man. It's been a really good time. Uh, Frankie's film on Twitter, uh, Frankie's, you know, F-R-A-N-K-I-E-S film. Um, that's me. I'm over there. I post a lot of clips every week, post weekly film breakdowns. I'm with Mile High Report. Uh, they're kind of our SB Nation site that I end up writing for. I write for them every week. Uh, I do a weekly draft podcast also with my buddy JR Drafts on the uh, Let's Talk Broncos YouTube channel and Facebook. So that's pretty cool if you ever like looking for some prospects we'll be covering everything i'll be doing you know a top 100 i'll be going through like first round awesome. monster for all the teams so won't be limited all to just broncos players but a little bit of bronco flavor and uh yeah man this has been a super good time it's kind of fun getting to almost kind of com- kind of compare compare grossness yeah. if you will yeah compare compare crap to crap exactly yeah right you know <laughs> hey my crap's equally crappy to your crap you know we're doing exactly <laughs> it's exactly fun. well you guys know where to find me on twitter adam holder 95 Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. As always, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.